I want to talk to you tonight about something that happened in the 1800s. It became known as the Charge of the Light Brigade. The Charge of the Light Brigade was a charge of British light cavalry led by Lord Cardigan against Russian forces during the Battle of Balaclava on the 25th of October, 1854, in what was called the Crimean War. Lord Raglan, overall commander of the British forces, had intended to send the Light Brigade to pursue uh, a Russian artillery, a retreating Russian artillery battle, battery, a task well-suited for this kind of light infantry. It was, it was not a well-fortified infantry. But due to a miscommunication in the chain of command, the Light Brigade was instead sent on a frontal assault against a different artillery battery, one well prepared with excellent fields of defensive fire. Although the Light Brigade reached the battery under withering direct fire and scattered some of the gunners, the badly mauled brigade was forced to retreat immediately. Thus, the assault ended with very high British casualties and no decisive gains. The events that I've just recalled for you are best remembered as the subject of the poem The Charge of the Light Brigade by Alfred Lord Tennyson, published just six weeks after the event. Its lines emphasize the valor of the cavalry in bravely carrying out their orders, regardless of the obvious outcome. And so this becomes then a kind of a signal, a, a symbol of the valor that they went into that charge with. For the Christian, we are also a part of a light brigade, a different kind of light brigade, not light in armory or light in our numbers, but in the light of God, the, the light of the world, the light of God. One of the great contrasts in the Bible is the contrast between light and darkness. We see this all the way back in the book of Genesis in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, when it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then, what's the next verse? And God said, let there be light. So literally from the opening of the book that you hold in your hand, there's this idea of light penetrating into the darkness. Light coming upon the darkness. So we see this from the opening account in Genesis 1, but we see that play out all the way throughout Scripture. We see it prophesied of in the prophets, and we see the culmination of the coming of Christ, of the light appearing. And this is, what, this is how the apostles talked about it. The light has appeared to all men. Uh, and speaking of the coming of Christ. So this light has come into the world, and it has appeared. And what is this light? It's the light of God. Uh, John declares in his epistle that God is light. 
right? And in him there is no darkness at all. And then um, John in his gospel tells us that Jesus is light and that he came into the world, but the darkness did not comprehend the light. And so we have this idea of the light of God coming into the world and coming into darkness, but darkness not um, just not being, not being receptive to it. Why? John tells us in his gospel, John 3.19, says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. However, he who believes on Jesus is not condemned and comes to the light. So we learn from scripture, we learn from the gospel of Christ that whoever comes to Christ comes to the light. It's literally coming out of darkness. Paul talks about this, that he's transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When you came to Christ, you came out of darkness, you came in to the light. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus told his followers that they were the light of the world. So once you come out of darkness into the light, once you receive Christ and you come into light, you, be, you literally become the light. You literally become the light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, it says that Jesus is the light of the world, right? Jesus is the light of the world. But then he turns to his followers and he says, you are the light of the world. So therefore, you become the light of the world because Christ, the light of the world, is in you. Amen? So therefore, we have a responsibility. If everything I've just said is true, then that leaves us with a tremendous understanding to have. It, 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 it kind of raises the bar in terms of how we need to look at our lives and how, how we need to understand our lives. Because if we've been brought out of darkness into light, if the light of God has shown upon our hearts, if, if the light of God through his Holy Spirit has been placed within us and we have become the light, then wow, we have an understanding that we need to have about our lives, that we are light as well. And if we are light, we must live as children of the light. So I want to take you to this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll just look at a handful of, of verses tonight, but picking it up at verse 8, he's talking about Christians being light and walking in the light. And that's what we need to do now more than ever and going into 2020. We need to realize that we are the light and we need to walk as light in this world. So if you're taking notes tonight, the first point is this, walk as light. Let's pick it up, verse eight. Paul says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So we need to walk as light. If we are light, then we need to walk as the light. 
One who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is now light in the Lord. That's probably the most succinct way to say it. If you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you are now light in the Lord. But that's not how it always was. That's not how it always was for you. Paul says that you were once darkness. Before Christ came into your life, you were darkness. You were in the dark. You were of the darkness. Paul threw out his letter to the Ephesians. And up until this point in chapter five, has made a sharp contrast of what people were before Christ in their lives and what they were, what they are now in Christ. And so there's, a, there's, there's two or three of these just dramatic contrasts. In chapter two of Ephesians, Paul says, you were dead in your sins, right? You were dead, but you've been made alive. And so this is a massive, massive contrast that you were literally dead and now you are alive in Christ. What an, an, an amazing contrast. And then he goes on and he says, you were once far away from God, but you've been brought near. So you were once way out there. You were outside. He goes on and explains. He says, you were outside this, the, the, the commonwealth, Right? You were outside the family. You were outside the nation. You were outside the commonwealth, but you've been brought near. You've been brought close. So you were dead, but now you're alive. You were far away, but now you're close. You were darkness, but now you're light. You're light. And these are amazing, amazing truths for us to, to, to take hold of in our lives. If we're going to live the Christian life, if we're going to live in this world for Christ, we need to, re Christian, you need to realize you're alive. <laughs> you, may, you may feel like you're dead sometimes. You may be like Cameron in bed. Not, 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 not your Cam, but I'm talking about Cameron from, from Ferris. You know, you're not dead, Cameron. You're not dead, you know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're not dead, Christian. You've been made alive. You've been made alive in Christ. Yes. And you may feel like you're outside. You may feel like you're on the outs. You may not feel like you're kind of in the, in the club, in the clique, in the whatever. But if, if you're in Christ, you're in. <laughs> you've been brought from far away. You've been brought right into the, into the city of God. Amen? And you were once darkness, and you've been brought out of darkness into the light. And not only that, but you are, you are now light. You, you, you were darkness, you sat in darkness. Now, what is this darkness? This needs to be understood, right? Look, look at that verse. Sorry, you, you, uh, verse eight. For you were once darkness. So what is Paul talking about here? The darkness is... Uh, it's used, the word in the Greek is, is a word that is used in both a literal and a transferred sense. It denotes darkness experienced as an enveloping sphere that has a, a significance for existence. It's, it's, it, it, um, it's, it's this idea of uh, just a kind of an enveloping darkness. 
And so we're not talking really about a physical darkness because people are walking around, you know, people are walking around, you know, in Israel or Ephesus, you know. Go on, go on YouTube and look up uh, somebody traveling to Ephesus, you know. It'll probably be a sunny day, you know. Good weather in Ephesus, you know. You look at these places like, how is it? How is it? Yeah, nice weather. Nice weather over there in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you were once in darkness. So it's not a physical darkness. It's, it's a darkness that takes, you know, it's, it's a spiritual blindness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's being of the realm of darkness that is associated with being in deception, being, just being deceived, being in that state of not having the knowledge of God, not having the knowledge of the gospel, not having that light of Christ, that light of God, that insight. And so there's just a darkness. And you think, well, you know, how bad is it? How bad is it to be in that darkness? What's well, bad? It's bad. I mean, just think about how bad it is to be in physical darkness. Now you think like, well, no, tonight I'm going to go and I'm going to turn all the lights off in my house. And some people like it really dark in the room, right? Every once in a while I meet somebody that likes it just pitch black. They just get the, you know, they have the blinds that don't let any light in whatsoever. They turn all the lights off. You know, then there's the people that like, you know, they have little night lights and little... (laughs) you know, LED strips and stuff around and all this, right? But I'm talking about if an area was thrust into darkness. Now, years ago, I can't remember exactly when this was, but there was, they've, they've been having blackouts in, um, these rolling blackouts in California, but that's something different. That was a plan thing. There was a, an out, a, a blackout that happened, and I can't remember exactly where it started, but it was somewhere up in the Midwest, and it just kind of rolled through, and major areas of the Northeast went under darkness and caused some, some tremendous, tremendous problems just immediately, because in our day and age, we're dependent upon light and the electricity and the lights in the, on the roads and the and, and all the transportation systems and all that. And if, we, if you get thrust into darkness, I mean, it's an emergency situation. And it's that times a thousand or times a million spiritually of what this darkness that Paul is talking about. But Paul says we're no longer in that darkness. We're no longer darkness. We're in the light. And Paul says that we are light. So we must therefore live like it. We must be the light that we are. We've got to be the light. We've got to kind of realize that. Now, this is actually how God created men and women. We literally had like, you know, light suits. Part of what they didn't, part of when they, you know, when the, when the glory, you know, was, was gone, you know, and, 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 and uh, they had kind of shed that, that light of the glory of God and they realized the, 
you know, it, the darkness and the nakedness that they were, that they were left in. And, um, and so part of this is in the redemption in the gospel is that we, we, we become the light that, that, that we once were, that man was, was once created in that, in that state. And so we've got to realize this, we've got to understand the reality of this, and we've got to live it, and we've got to walk it. We've got to walk it. Um, Paul talks about, he, he goes on here, uh, pick it up, verse 8 again. For you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if you, if you walk as children of light, if you walk as the light, then there's going to be some fruit that you're going to see in your life. If you're walking in light, as Paul is laying this out, you're going to see some, there's going to be some things that are evident in your life that are going to be kind of characteristic of somebody that's, that's walking in light. Paul says here that it's the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Look at that, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, we're reading uh, the New King James that is based out of a particular manuscript, set of manuscripts, but there is what they call the NU uh, manuscript. And you'll see, if you're looking at your Bible, if it has some type of little letter by the word spirit there. And if you go down... uh, to the notes, you'll see that the NU manuscript actually has the word light there. So it's, it's actually reads not the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of light. The word there in the Greek, in that sense, the Greek is, is actually photos, photos. Okay, like, like a photo, like a photograph, but photo um, is that. So it's the fruit of light. So what is the what what is the fruit? What is the what is the what what happens in the life of someone that understands that they are the light and walks as a child of the light? What happens? What is the result? In in other words, and Paul lays it out here. He says the fruit of light is all in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if we're walking in the light, if we're walking as children of the light, and we're being the light, then we're going to have goodness. We're going to have goodness in our life. You know? And you say, what's goodness? Well, first of all, God is good. Right? God is good. First Chronicles 16, 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. He is good. He's the definition of good. And so if we're in him and we have his light in us, then we're going to have goodness flowing in and out of our lives. Amen. And, and, um, and so we look around now that doesn't mean that people are going to bring their badness. (laughs) People are going to bring their badness. 
you know, and they're going to bring their ugliness. And I don't mean that physically. I just mean the, the, the you know, just the roughness, the ugliness. And, and we, you know, Paul says to the Roman church, he says, don't be overcome by evil. Don't be overcome by the, the darkness. Don't be overcome by the badness. Don't be overcome by the, the ugliness of the world, but, but be, the, be the children of light and, 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 and exude that goodness that is that fruit of light. The, the result of light in your life is the goodness of God. Amen? And so walk in his goodness, and, and that goodness will just flow in and through your life. Amen? The second fruit of light, that was the first one. First one is goodness. The second one is righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is the idea of being right. <laughs> of walking in walking right there is a way that leads to life amen there is a way that leads to death the bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man but in the end it leads to destruction and so there is a there is a right way there is you know some, some sometimes when you come to things that aren't you know they're, they're, it's not a moral issue right Sometimes people like to make things that are not moral issues and they like to turn them into moral issues and then the actual moral issues, they want to flip those on their heads, right? So they want to take something over here that's not a moral issue, like maybe like, you know, being vegan or something like that. You know, you have these militant vegans, right? Nothing against being vegan. You know, go out, be vegan. You know, have your salads and your kale, you know? (laughs) You know, go for it, right? But it's, it's not a moral issue. It's not a moral issue, and so don't turn it into a moral issue. There is a right way on the moral issues. There is a way to go. And be on that side. Be on that side. What I don't get is why some people want to be on the other side. They want to look it straight in the face. They want to look the issue straight in the face and they want to be on the, on the other side, not the side of righteousness. That's, what, that's why at the end of this verse, he says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. It's not finding out what's acceptable to you or what you think is righteousness or what you think on the subject. No, it's finding out what is acceptable to God. What is acceptable to the Lord? That's where we should be. Our allegiance to Christ and the fact that we've been made light in God should be so powerful, so strong in our life. Hey, we don't want to find out and, 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 and articulate where we stand on it or what we feel and here's our points. No, I want to find out what's acceptable, acceptable to Jesus. I want to, accept, I want to find out where he is on it. And, and, and I don't think he's confused. Amen. I don't think Jesus is sitting on the throne confused about where where it is. He's not confused at all. And that's what God wants for us. Amen. When you look at right living, and you know, one of the one of the amazing, amazing things you can see, you know, things show up in physical, in the physical. And uh, as as you guys know, I'm I'm a good friend of one of the guys from Striper. And and um and what's amazing to look at over the last few years is all these rock guys from the 80s 
have been putting out albums and all this stuff, and you get around the striper guys, and they look like they're just, you know, they're, you know, fresh faces and young and all this. And all these guys that in the 80s, they did all the drugs and they did all the and wrecking hotel rooms and all this stuff. They look like, um, I think there was the band Poison actually had a band, an album called Look What the Cat Dragged In. And that's actually what the, how they look. <laughs> and, 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 and there is a thing with this idea of, of, of right living, you know? And for the life of me, I don't understand why people don't want to want to find out what pleases the Lord. It's not a matter of, God, God, here's the list of rules and let me get out my hammer and let me get up on my pulpit and pound it and let me get my King James that's a 50 pound and, you know, beat you. It's not that. If that's what it is, then, you know, go out and find out what it is for you. It's not that. It's a heart that says, I want to find out what's the, what's the Lord's heart. And I want to do that. Amen? Amen? Because his heart for you and me is amazing. He has an unbelievable heart for, for what he wants us to do, what he wants us to walk in. You know, And one of the best analogies I ever heard of like the Ten Commandments was that, you know, it was like, you know, if you wanted to go out and play in the street as a kid and you were out there playing, you know, just you, you came up with a game where you were like, you know, let's like Frogger, right? <laughs> but in real life, right? Like Frogger, but like real life, right? And so you're going to go out there and you're going to be in the street and whatever. And your mom comes out, what are you doing playing in the street? You can't play in the street. This is in New York City. <laughs> Why, why, why can't we play in the street? Because you get hit. You get killed. You get mangled. You get run over by a parade float like my sister-in-law did last week. She's got a broken foot out there because something ran over. The thing is, that's the heart of the Ten Commandments. The heart of the Ten Commandments is God saying, I don't want you playing in the street. I got a better plan for you. You know, don't commit adultery because I got a better plan for you. Don't steal because I have a better plan for you. You know, don't have any other gods before me in your life because I've got a great plan for you. I've got, I've got, I've got great things for you. And, and that's the idea of wanting to walk in the rightness and have the fruit of light in our lives. Amen? And so, and then the last one, is truth. Truth. Is, is truth something that is evident in your life? Truth is something that is a value in your life. And seeking the truth and wanting to find it out. And, and if, if, if we have, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if we have the Spirit of God in us, if we have the Spirit of Christ in us, who is the truth, then we're going to want to, to be people of the truth. Amen? We're going to want to be people that don't like to be deceived. <laughs> don't like when, when, when people try to deceive us and try to, to get us to, 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 to buy into certain things and think certain ways. No, we want to be people of the truth. Amen? And so then secondly tonight, 
he goes on and he says, um, walk away from darkness and dark deeds. Let's pick it up, verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by, by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So if we are light, we need to be in a state where we're constantly walking away from the darkness, right? Walk away from darkness and dark deeds. Um, He says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship. In other words, walk away from that. Walk away from having any fellowship with darkness and dark deeds. One of the ways we shine the light of God in our lives is by leaving behind us the deeds of darkness. We need to lay aside the things that that, that would beset us, you know, The writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that would beset us and run the race that has been set before us. In other words, so so what's that? It's like a runner preparing to run the race. And, and, you know, when when those Olympic runners go out there, right, they may come out there in a track suit, you know, and they're kind of, you know, like this. But then they, they take all that off. And they're left with a tiny little... Tank top, these short shorts that like, you know, you got you to gotta be able to wear those. You got to be able to pull those off, those running shorts. You know, I used to be able to do that, but the, you know what I'm talking about? Those running shorts. That's a whole different deal. And then, have, have you ever picked up an actual track shoe? It's very light. It's not like a basketball shoe. You pick up like a Shaquille O'Neal like shoe and like a real track shoe. It's, they've laid aside every weight that would slow them down so that when they run that race, when that gun goes off, they are off to the races, they're off to the finish line. And this is what Paul's saying here. He's saying, get, get, get out, walk away from having any fellowship with darkness and, 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 and all the rest of it so that you, can, that you can walk as light, so that you can be the light of God, that he, the work that he's done in your life. Amen? We need to lay aside the ways of sin. Paul says, don't participate with the works of darkness. We should have no fellowship with the works of darkness. Notice that it is deeds that, that have to be walked away from. Deeds. We don't necessarily have to walk away from people, although we might have to. (laughs) We don't have to, we don't have to, you know, lay waste to like every every relationship, but we've got to have wisdom in our lives. And there's so many things um, where people can pull us down, people that come into our lives. And we think, oh, this is great, this is great. No, people can have an effect. Especially when, you know, some people are natural born leaders and some people are followers, you know? And you can, you, people can get sucked in 
uh, to things very easily. And that's why Paul says, have no fellowship with the works of darkness. Um, there needs to be that type of separation in the deeds, in the activity. Doesn't mean that you can't talk to a certain person. Doesn't mean that you can't, but it means that there, ha- there can't be the type of fellowship where there's a participation in the deeds of darkness, as, as, as Paul would put it here in Ephesians 5. Let's go back to the text. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. But rather expose them. So what's going to happen when you are in a situation, if we're manifesting ourselves as the light that we are, then then darkness and and dark deeds are going to be pretty well manifest. If, 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 If you're, and there are Christians today that the light is like so dim, they've covered it over with all kinds of other stuff that like when they when they go into these scenarios they they don't have the discernment to realize no this is darkness <laughs> this isn't something i need to be having fellowship this is this is actual darkness and paul says don't have any fellowship with it don't have any fellowship with it um and and he goes on to say that what's going to happen is that the light is going to expose the darkness He says, don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But in all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. So th- this, that's an important thing. That's an important thing. And I know... You know, it can it can be a thing where, you know, you can get sucked in to things where maybe you're just going along with, with you know, with the family that you know, or whatever the group that you're a part of, or whatever the, the the setting, the surrounding, you know. But there needs to be that discernment. There needs to be that light in our lives that that makes manifest the work of darkness. That that makes manifest the 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 deeds of darkness. And it doesn't need to be a thing where you're pounding other people over the head with it, but it becomes manifest that you can't be in fellowship with that. You can't be participating with it in that sense, right? So he says, um, he says, don't have any fellowship, but rather expose them. This idea of exposing them is that the light in you will make those things manifest. And, and, um, and so this is the idea of you know, having the light of God in us in such a way that we have that discernment and we can understand what darkness is and we can understand what the fruit of the Spirit is in someone's life. We understand that if they have the fruit of the Spirit, if they have the fruit of light... <laughs> We, you know, um, it's been said this way from some great Bible teachers, you know, that we're not to judge others, but we can be fruit inspectors, right? We're not to judge other people, but we can be fruit inspectors. 
you will know them by their fruit, right? So look at, you can look at somebody and you can say, what is the fruit of their life? Are they manifesting the things of light, of the kingdom of light, or are they manifesting the things of darkness? And this is so important. And so um, when you look at it, you know, a lot of times when you get into this, it gets into that idea of like, you know, that we're not supposed to judge, right? We're, you know, we're, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge. This is, this is, I've said this before and I'll say it again. This is the most famous verse of scripture in all of the Bible. Not John 3, 16. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Tebow. For having 94 million people Google it on the night you played in that bowl game. But the, mo- the most famous verse of scripture is actually, I believe, Matthew 7, 1. Because everyone can quote it especially on all talk shows. All talk shows, this can be quoted immediately, without hesitation, just like like it's Sunday school. Do not judge. Do not judge. Do not judge. Do not judge. The idea there in Matthew 7 is do not condemn. The the word there for judge is 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 a very specific Greek word that means to condemn someone's soul. So we're so what he's saying is we're not the person that sits in judgment over a person's soul of their ever living soul, but we are people who understand the difference between the fruit of the spirit and the works of darkness, light and darkness. We are well aware of what that is, and we need to be well aware of what that is, not only for our own lives and very important for our own lives, but honestly, we need to maybe speak up sometimes. Instead of being quiet, we need to speak up and warn people. People need to have a warning. People need to have, you know, one of the, one of the parables that Jesus told was the parable of Lazarus. Remember that? And, and, uh, and, and one of the people in the parable went to hell and, and he says, you know, go back and warn, <laughs> you know, warn my, my family of this. You know, people need a warning in love, in love, not of bringing it down like that, but bringing the love of, of, the, of the, the righteousness of God to bear upon a situation. And, uh, and so, but then Paul wraps it up. Uh, verse 13 and 14, but all things that are, are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Um, he goes on here to quote a song that basically says, wake up, you who are sleeping. And he's, he's giving this letter to, who, who is this letter for? This is, this is for the saints of Ephesus, right? This, is, this letter was written to the church at Ephesus, to the saints at Ephesus. So he's writing this to Christian people. And he's saying, wake up, you who sleep. So in other words, there's people who are light, but they're asleep. In other words, they're not woke. <laughs> okay, this is a very, if you don't know this term, I'm bringing it into a biblical sense here. Get woke according to Ephesians 5. Amen? 
wake up from your sleep, from your slumber, and realize that there's a real thing of light and darkness in this world. And Christian, you're people of light. You are the light. And, and, and what he's saying here is that if you'll wake up from your slumber, if you'll wake up from your sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And, and, and you will see it. And so I can't reference this verse without being reminded of, uh, I don't know, maybe one of the hardest hitting Christian songs of all time, okay? By, by a guy named Keith Green, who wrote a song called Asleep in the Light, okay? Just go home, get your iTunes, get your earphones on, put that on, <laughs> and just, just take it all in in the love of Christ, okay? But I'm going to read just, just one stanza from it. Uh, and this is Keith Green. He says, oh, can't you see such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of your bed, right? So what's he saying? Don't be asleep in the light. You're in the light. Wake up out of that. Wake up out of this. Everything's down here and everything. We're going on. Wake up. Get woke the real way, amen? Get woke the way Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 5, which is basically coming alive and coming uh, awake in the light of Christ and realizing that there's darkness and there's light. And Christian, you are light and God doesn't want you to have any fellowship whatsoever with darkness and the deeds of darkness. He's called you to a higher plane. He set everything on your life when you walked into the kingdom of Christ. He picked you up out of that miry clay and he puts you on a rock and he sets your life on a higher plane, Christian. And you need to realize that. Not in a haughty way, not in I'm better than, but that my, I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and, And I've been bought with a price. I've been bought and paid for with the blood of Christ. And God's got a plan for my life. And so we're a part of a, light brigade, a light brigade, the charge of a light brigade. There's another reference there. There's another song reference there. Uh, um, uh, DeGarmo and Key, the charge of the light brigade. Look that one up uh, as you go home. But anyways, we're to be light. 